Grab your Bibles. We're going to look together in uh, the Gospel of Luke and uh, dig into the Word of God. Uh, Luke chapter 22, if you have your Bibles with you. Luke chapter 22, we're going to read verses uh, 7 through 13. We're starting a new series um, on the Last Supper, and uh, we're going to be working our way through over the next uh, few weeks up till the, the Sunday after Easter. It's hard to believe Easter's just, you know, a, a few weeks away, but uh, we're going to be um, uh, going uh, through this series, talking about the different aspects of uh, the Last Supper um, over the next uh, next few weeks. Next week, we're actually going to, uh, I've moved communion, instead of doing it where we normally do uh, the first Sunday of the month, we're actually going to do it next Sunday because uh, the next part of this passage uh, has to do with um, uh, the communion aspect of it. And there is uh, actually something I didn't realize until I was prepping for that sermon, but there's an extra cup in there. Um, and we want to talk about why that's in there, what exactly Jesus was doing, and it has to do with communion. And so uh, next Sunday, um, we'll, we'll dig into that. This morning, we're going to look at the beginning of the story as they're preparing for uh, the Last Supper. And there's something I, I think we can uh, definitely learn from this about how God works in our lives. And so Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He, he replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I read the story a few years ago of a woman named Narina who lived in, in South Florida, uh, this was back about 2007-ish, and, um, and it, it became known that she was without power. She, she was living in her house uh, and had no power there. She was relatively poor, and the problem was a hurricane had come through and, um, and had, had knocked out her power, and she got a little bit of an insurance settlement. The guy came to start doing the work, but unfortunately the insurance money ran out before the work was, was done, and so the guy you know, took the payment for what he did and took off. And, and so she ended up without power. And when the story first came out, a lot of people thought it was um, Hurricane Katrina, that it just happened a little while before that and, and did some damage in different places. Um, this is 2007. But actually, it wasn't Hurricane Katrina that happened just recently before that. It was actually Hurricane Andrew that had happened in 1992. She had been without power for 15 years because she had that situation where she ran out of money on the insurance stuff, she was poor, she didn't have money to, to pay for it, and so she just kind of got in the habit of living without power for 15 years. Finally, uh, somebody became aware of her situation, and the mayor got involved, and they sent over somebody to hook up her power, and uh, they, a reporter asked her afterwards, they, they said, you know, what's the first thing you're going to do? She said, I'm going to take a bubble bath that is hot, as any bubble bath has ever been taken. Can you imagine living without power for 15 years? 
Well, spiritually speaking, a lot of us kind of get in that spot. We, we, we kind of get used to, well, I show up for church on Sunday, and I carry my Bible and all that. But in terms of actually seeing God move powerfully in our lives, we, we just don't see a whole lot of it. And this passage kind of gives us some clues as to directions that we can go to see more of, of where God is moving uh, in our lives, where God wants to move in our lives. If you have your sermon outline, let's start with the, the question that this passage raises. And that's this. Why don't we see God's daily provision and guidance much today? Why don't we see God's daily provision and guidance much today? So, we believe that God is still working in the world today. Amen? So we believe that God is still working in the world today, and we believe that He is active. We don't believe... Some people, you know, you go all the way back to the beginning, and there, there are deists who believe that, okay, God kind of started the world going, and He is the Creator, but then He doesn't get involved anymore. He, he started it, and then that's it. And from then on, we are on our own. And we don't believe that as Christians. We believe that all the way up till today, not only in the creation but all the way to today, that God is still active in the world. God is still moving in the world. He's still touching hearts and, and, and working in people's lives. And yet a lot of times as we look at our own lives, we'll be thankful that you know somebody gets up here on a Sunday morning and gives a testimony about some incredible miracle that God has done, and we all say amen. Or, or we see on Facebook that a, a friend has had a prayer answered, and we say amen. But a lot of times within our own lives, we kind of look and we say, I mean, I, I believe in God, but I don't really see... We're, and I know he's like providing every day, I have something to eat and all that. But in terms of like seeing him do great things, in terms of provision for greater things, or in terms of guidance where I see him moving my life in a way where, where I actually end up doing something substantial for God, I, I, I just don't see it. And so if we feel that way, if we feel like we don't see enough of God's provision and guidance, or maybe we see some, but we want to see more, I, I think this passage points out some truths that are important for us to understand, to take those steps forward, to see more of what God desires to do in our lives and more of His provision and guidance. So let's unpack this piece by piece. I want to divide up into three parts and talk about what I think God has for us here. So let's start in verse 7 and work our way down. So it's the day of unleavened bread, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So the, the, the setting is Passover. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week because it's really important, so I'm going to let that go uh, for right now. Verse 8, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. So the Passover is not just a, a celebration, but of course is a meal where they all are to gather and to have a, a Passover meal. Verse 9, where do you want us to prepare for it? Now, of course, we know Jesus in general, he had a lot of different people providing for him, but he doesn't have like a home base where they say, well, we're going to go back to headquarters, or we're going to go, go back to the house we always go to. They, Jesus kind of went here and went there and, and was all, in all these different cities, so the disciples didn't know where exactly it was that they were going to have this Passover meal. And Jesus, in providing a way for them to have the Passover meal, gives us some clues about how we can see more of God's provision and guidance. Let me give you point number one, and then we'll get into verse 10. What it looked like for Peter and John. Number one, God orchestrated a divine appointment. God orchestrated a divine appointment. Look at verse 10 with me. So in verse 9, where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. In verse 10, he replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water 
will meet you. Let's just pause right there for a second. So that Jesus orchestrates a divine appointment, and by divine appointment I mean this. When we are going out during the day and we're going to the gas station, we're going to Kroger, we're going wherever we may happen to be going, I believe, and this isn't true of every single encounter that we have, but I believe that often, even though it seems to us like we're just kind of walking through our day, God in His wisdom is orchestrating us being at a particular place when somebody else is going to be at a particular place because God wants us to minister to them. God wants us to, to give something into them. Maybe it's a word of wisdom, maybe it's just a word of comfort or whatever it may happen to be. But we have an opportunity as that divine appointment happens to be of use to God in that moment. Here we have a divine appointment where Peter and John are going to be walking along and it says there in verse 10, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. And so God is orchestrating when Peter and John, and he didn't say now, now listen, you guys be there at 10.30 because that's when the guy, God orchestrated it. And so in our own lives, we need to believe and understand that just like Peter and John, if God wants to work through our lives, which I believe He does, if God wants to touch people through our lives, which I believe He does, if we have Christ in us and He wants Christ to go forward and make a difference in people's lives, then we need to recognize that God in our lives too has divine appointments for us. And as we go forward, we need to pay attention to the reality that that. He may have people that He wants us not just to say hi to, but to minister to as we encounter them day by day. I was reading of a, a pastor named uh, David. He uh, lives out in, in Fresno, California. They were having Wednesday night churches a few years ago. They were having Wednesday night church. And, and um, as they were having Wednesday evening church, uh, he was greeting people as they were coming in. This one lady uh, came through and he, she said, can I talk to you for a second? And he said yes. So they kind of pulled back away from the crowd. And she told this story briefly, but uh, it, her husband had left her for another person, another uh, woman, and, and she wanted healing in her marriage, but um, the pastor asked, well, is, is he a Christian? Yeah. She said, actually, he's the one that, that got me started with Christ, but now he's way off track and, and he's doing uh, things that he shouldn't be doing, obviously. And, and the pastor asked, well, can you give me his number so I can call him? And she said, I, I don't have any way to contact him. Right now, the only way he contacts me when he wants to talk to me, but other than that, I have no way to get a hold of him. And the pastor said, well, I'll pray about it and, and, uh, and pray for God's uh, uh, guidance there and for, and for reconciliation, but you know, if you get a number, let me know. So that all happened. Um, the pastor then had a day off. He was going to do landscaping, and so he got uh, all of his... Uh, stuff together on what he wanted to do there at the house, figured out what exactly he wanted to do. So he went out to this landscaping place, the price of what he wanted to buy, and they, they had everything he wanted, but their prices were a little high. So he went another mile down the road to another landscaping place, found what he wanted at the right price, loaded it all up, got into the line to check out, and when he got in the line to check out, he looked at the guy that was checking him out, and he saw the name tag, and he goes... He points at the name tag and goes, hey, are you, and says the name tag, and the guy kind of looks at him like he's an idiot. And he said, yeah, I am. And he goes, are you married to, because this was the husband of the woman that he had talked to Wednesday night. He said, are, are you married to so-and-so? And the guy looked really weird at him and said, yeah. And this guy, this pastor happened to be six foot five. He said, then I pulled up to my full six foot five and said, God sent me here to talk to you about your marriage. <laughs> now, 
this, this pastor says in, in the Fresno area, there are 300,000 people living. And the first person who was not a member of his church, he met after he had that conversation with that woman, was her husband. Now you tell me that's not a divine appointment with God bringing those things together. I saw it in a much smaller way just earlier this week in my own life. I, I sent a message. Uh, there were a few people this week I kind of try to work through uh, different people on my prayer list. And this week there were a few people on my prayer list I sent a message out to and said, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of you. What, what would be the most important thing for me to be praying for you right now? And one of the messages, the person sent back almost immediately. They said, man, the Holy Spirit just orchestrated your timing because, and there was something that just happened. Now, did I know something that just happened? No, I didn't. But you know what? God did. And He orchestrated that timing. Now, here's the problem. A lot of us walk through our daily lives and we don't expect God to move through us. Well, God will move through the preacher. God will move through the deacons or whoever. But God's not going to move through me. No, you have skills and abilities. You have the ability to talk to people and the ability to comfort people or, or direct people in a way that, that God wants to use. And so we need to pay attention. Instead of just going past the person who... We, we, how are you doing today? Uh, hey, you know what? Maybe God wants you to stop and talk to that person. Well, what's going on? And maybe when somebody... When God brings somebody to your mind, maybe you need to get a hold of them. We need to pay attention to the fact that God desires to bring divine appointments. I think oftentimes there are missed opportunities where God does give provision and He does want to give us guidance, but we're not paying attention because we're so busy running after whatever else we have to do that we don't notice that God is trying to use us in a profound way. And so we need to, first of all, pay attention. Here we have Peter and John walking along, and Jesus says, now listen, you're going to meet a guy carrying a jar of water. Who this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, who this week, at school, at work, at Kroger, who are we going to run into that we don't run into by accident? But God wants to use us to make a difference. Second thing. Not only uh, in seeing how Jesus worked through Peter and John. Not only did they have a divine appointment, but the second thing is this. They had to start not knowing exactly where it led. They had to start not knowing exactly where it led. Continuing in verse 10, it says, Follow him to the house that he entered. So we see, first of all, there's this divine appointment and then they're going to follow this guy to wherever he leads and go in, and, and that's the place that they're supposed to be. And so they don't know where they're going. They don't know where exactly they're supposed to do this. They're just following along and trusting that as they do what Jesus said, that will lead them to the right place. Is this a biblical pattern? Yeah, all over the place. Let's go back to Abraham. Does God say, listen, Abraham, I need you to go, of course he was Abram then, but Abraham, do you, I need you to go, and here, here's the exact location. Now what does he say? He says, leave. He says, go, and I'll show you the place you're going to go. A lot of us don't like this. What we want is a faith that we can control. We, we want a religion that we have the say over. And so I'm okay with owning a Bible, and I'm okay with showing up for church on Sunday morning, and I'm okay with, with doing that kind of stuff, but I want to be in control. And the whole idea that God says, listen, you're going to walk with me. I'm not going to tell you where we're going to go. I'm not going to tell you where exactly it's going to lead, but you're going to walk with me, and wherever it leads, that's where we're going to go. A lot of us don't really like that. We want to be in control. And yet here, 
in one of what is a pattern in many of the passages that we read in Scripture. It just says, follow him to the house that he enters. And so we need to understand, if you're a Christian, here's the basic issue on this. If you're a Christian, do you trust Jesus to lead your life more than you trust yourself? Do do you want to be the one calling the shots and I'm going to say this is where we're going to go? Or do you say, God, I'm putting myself in your hands. I trust where you're going to lead is better than anything I could come up with. And so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to believe that as I follow you, that you're going to lead me to exactly where I need to be. Do we trust Jesus to lead us? Or do we want to be in charge and make all the decisions? Back in the um, little over a century ago, 1879, I think, uh, there was a, a Lieutenant DeLong who was part of this um, exploration that was going to go up and try to find the, the, uh, the North Pole. They, they believed back at that time that it was an open sea up there. And all the, all the experts said, you know, it, it's open up there. Once you get through, there's some ice kind of a ring around. And once you get through there, then it's going to be open sea and you can just sail all the way to the North Pole. And everybody believed that then. And so his, his crew went on and they, they kind of believed, okay, we need to find, they called it like a, uh, uh, this little passageway that, that would get them through the ice. And, and then they'd be able to sail on all the way up. So they get going and guess what? It's ice all the way up. And so they get going, and they end up running into ice. They, end, they can't get through. The, their ship ends up getting stuck. They end up having to abandon ship. They hike back. Uh, some of them, they get separated into two groups. One ends up in Siberia and lives. Uh, Lieutenant DeLong and, and those, some of those with him end up going in another direction, and they end up starving to death. They were going up there, and it ended up being a disaster because they did not have an accurate map. They, they didn't know exactly what was in front of them. We don't know what's in front of us. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what 10 years from now holds. And a lot of us have decided that we're going to use maps that we have. Like, it, it's a map of money. Okay, if I have this much money, then I can, I can control what's going to happen. Or, or popularity. If I have this much popularity, then I, that's my map I'm going to go for. The only map that I've found that works is Jesus is Jesus. We, we say, my map is, I'm going to follow Jesus and go where He leads me, and as long as I'm following Him, I may not know where I'm going, but Jesus knows where He's going. Amen? And so we follow Jesus and we trust Him that as we go forward, that He's going to lead us where we need to go. Now, again, do we trust Him enough to put Him in charge? Do we trust Him enough to walk with Him? Well, you don't have to trust Him. You can hold on to you doing what you want to do. But to go back to the original question we asked, why don't I see much of God's provision in my life? Why don't I see much of God's guidance in my life? Well, maybe it's because you don't want it. If you're over here saying, I'm going to be in charge, and I'm going to go where I want to go, and I want to be the one making the decision, don't expect God to move because you're saying, I don't want you to move. I don't want to go where you want me to go. I want to go where I want to go. We have to trust that God knows what He's doing. And that as we go forward, He will lead us where we need to go. But He does not tell us at the beginning where we're going to end up. You've got to trust Him. Third thing. The third thing is this. They had to ask for resources they didn't have. They had to ask for resources they didn't 
have. Verses 11 and 12. So they follow him to the house that he enters, verse uh, 10 talks about. And then it says in verse 11 and 12, And say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs all furnished. Make preparations there. And so they take this step of faith, and there are resources. Now, I know Jesus could call on anything, but the point I'm making is they didn't have a room at that moment. They didn't have the, the, the resources that they needed. And so Jesus said, follow this guy. You're going to meet this guy. Follow this guy. He's going to lead you to a place where all the resources that you need are there. And again, it goes back to um, why we don't see God moving in a powerful way in our lives. For many of us, the only resources that we believe we can trust in are the ones we already have ourselves. I have this much money and I have this much talent, and so I'm going to go forward and do these things because I, I can do these and I can hold on to it myself. I can do this and have control over it. One of the most important steps of faith that we need to take at some point in our lives is this. We need to step out when we feel God leading us in this direction. We need to step out to trust God to provide where we don't have the ability to make it happen. Like, it's one thing if I say, you know, oh God, I just, I pray, you know, there's, there's this friend of mine and, and they need $200 for utilities. I just pray, God, that, that, they, that you would provide that for them. And then you get thinking later and you go, well, I got 200 bucks. I should probably do that for them. And so you do it. Well, you, you, God moved through you, but as you were praying that prayer, you had all the resources there that were necessary to do that. It's another thing when we ask God to do something where if He doesn't show up, we fail. It's another thing entirely to, to pray and say, God, if you don't do this, then it's not going to work. And yet, God desires for us to step out and do those things because He has the ability to do so much more than we can. He has the ability to answer prayers and to provide resources that are so much greater than anything we could provide. I was reading this week about um, Lake Tahoe. Uh, Lake Tahoe is one of the deepest um, lakes in the world, and somebody uh, said if you took Lake Tahoe and, and tipped it up on its side, it would cover the entire state of California in 14 and a half inches of water. That's a lot of water. So imagine that that I stand before God, and, and I'm, I'm there, we're, we're both standing beside Lake Tahoe, and, and God goes, listen, the only water you're going to have is this lake. For you to be able to drink, that's all I'm giving you is this lake. I'd be like, you know what? I think that'll suit me. I think I'll be okay. I think enough water to cover the entire state of California in 14 and a half inches of water is going to be enough to, to allow me to drink during my life. In fact, it's a ton more than what I need. Well, God desires to do a ton more than what we need and to do a ton more than what we have. But if we don't ask, if we don't expect, if we don't step out and say, God, I want you to do this. God, I feel like you're leading in this direction. I desire for you to move in this way. If we don't take those steps, then we don't generally see it because we keep answering our own prayers. We keep asking for Him to do things that we can provide the answer to. And we need to step out when we don't have the resources to make it happen and allow God to move in that powerful of a way. So if we want to see some of this, let's talk about a first step in that direction. So we've talked about these three things. Let's talk about a first step as we close to, to seeing more of this in our lives. A first faith step for us. And that's this. 
move forward presuming that you can rely on a promise from God's Word. Step forward believing that you can rely on a promise from God's Word. Now, I've listed some Scriptures below there. Look at your sermon outline with me. The the top line are some promises. This isn't just an academic exercise this morning where we all say, okay, well, that was was an okay sermon, and now I'm going to go on and do whatever I, I need to in my life. So I want us to understand that as we step out, we can see God do great things. We have to trust in Him to to do those things, but we can step out. And one of the most important things to seeing that happen, one of the most confidence-building things, is to have a specific promise from God for whatever it is that we are going to step out and do. Because God always keeps His promises. God always keeps His promises. So if I have a specific promise for whatever the issue is that I'm dealing with, I can step out and believe, all right, I don't know how He's going to do it. I don't know how He's going to bring all this about. But God is going to keep His promise. So there's two listings there. Let me go over them with you because I want you to use these as resources. The first line has four Scriptures. And those are four passages that have to do with how much confidence we can have in God's promises. I'm just going to read... Excerpt from each of them just briefly. Romans 4.21 says, being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what He promised. Do you believe that God has the power to do what He promised this morning? Alright, so then we, we step forward believing if God has promised it, He can bring it about. Romans 8.31 and 32 says, what then can we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will you not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? And so, as we step forward, we believe that everything that we need, every I'm not talking about dumb uh, wants, but talking about everything that we need, God will provide. If He provided us Christ, isn't going to provide us everything that we need. The third passage is 2 Corinthians 1, and verse 20. It says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. All the promises the Scripture have, the answer to us is yes in Christ. And in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So we step forward with confidence, believing that God desires to move and we should approach the throne of grace with confidence. So then the second listing there, and again, I wanted to give you some specific um, uh, passages on specific issues. I listed some promises. I don't know what issue you're dealing with this morning. I don't know what thing you may need a promise of God for. But as you go down through there, there's a verse about struggling. There's a verse about our future. There's a verse about money. There's a verse about spiritual harvest. There's a verse about seeing a powerful move of God. There's a verse about worry. A verse about the presence of God. A verse about wisdom. Let's just take the last one. James 1.5 says, if we lack wisdom and we ask God, He will provide for us. So how does that tie into what, uh, what we said this morning? Okay, the way it ties in is this. I'm facing a situation, I don't know which way to go. I don't have the, the intelligence or the, the foresight to be able to figure out that situation and know what exactly is going to come up. What's going to happen five years from now? What's going to happen in this particular job? I don't know. And so I, I look at that decision, I'm not sure which way to go. I come before God and I claim James 1.5. You said in your word that if I lack wisdom and I ask you, you will provide me with guidance. 
it ties into what we're talking about this morning. I, I, don't, I don't have the resources I need. I don't have the, the wisdom and foresight that I need. And so I'm coming before you, and I'm asking you to guide me. How can I know this morning that God will answer that prayer? If you pray for wisdom, how can I know that God will answer that? Because the Bible says so. The Bible says if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God will provide. And God is good for his promise. And so as we understand that this morning, to look back at these three things, divine appointments, stepping out to see, not knowing exactly where it leads, asking for resources, and all these things, if we want to see more of God's provision, more of God's guidance in our life, we can't keep doing what we've been doing. We have to step out. We have to trust. We have to look for resources that are beyond what we have. We have to claim the promises of God. And as we do that, I believe this morning that God still desires to move in a powerful way in our lives. But it doesn't happen when we're holding back and doing it all ourselves. We have to step out, look for Him to move, follow His lead, ask for His resources, and believe in His Father, I thank You this morning that You are still moving in this world. And You are still willing to move in our lives. Father, I, I, I pray as we think about how much we see You move in our lives that if we, if we cannot say this morning that we see You doing great things, that we would not be content with that. I pray that we would not just say, well, that's the best it's going to get. I guess that's it. But that, Father, we would realize that You're offering us more. And that we would be willing to do our part to get there. To step out. To trust You. To ask. To believe. Father, I, I don't, in my own life, I don't want to see You do small things. I want to see you move now. And that requires my faith and my trust in you. So you can move now. Father, help us to want more from you. I pray in Jesus' name.